everyone, and welcome to the WIM Podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing and get real about women in business. Find us wherever you download podcasts, and of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, double I, dot com. Oh my gosh, JoJo just walked in the room, everyone. As soon as I was starting to record this, she knew and she wanted to say hello. JoJo's my dog, everyone. Um, For those of you who don't know, she just looked at me as I said her name. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Women in Influencer Marketing podcast. I'm your host, Jessie Grossman, and I just changed into my homebody shirt. And if you're watching on YouTube or Spotify, this is like my new favorite shirt. (laughs) In case it wasn't already like abundantly clear that I'm really enjoying this work from home situation. So speaking of, we actually just launched this shirt and others in our merch shop. So there's some really, really cute items just like this one that you should totally check out because they're really fun. We've got like cool t-shirts. We have cool hoodies. When the weather gets a little colder, we have like a laptop sleeve. I got that. It's actually really, really good quality. When I'm just like throwing my laptop in a big bag, I'll just use that one because it holds it really nicely. To go check out our merch shop because we do have some really, really cool things. We're going to be running a few giveaways in the next few weeks, so keep an eye out for that. If you're interested in winning something fun, keep attending our events. So speaking of, we just announced today, actually, that we have our next masterclass coming up, y'all. So this one is about Web3 and the creator economy. It's really built for those of you who are sort of at like a 102 level. You're familiar with Web3, but you're sort of like at the beginning stages and want to learn more. So this is definitely a great masterclass for you. Um, We're talking all about NFTs and the metaverse and virtual influencers. It's going to be a really, really cool presentation. And most of the time, we bring in wonderful guests to present their ideas. And for this one, since it happens to be a topic that I love, I'm going to be presenting this one. So I would love to see you guys in the audience and enjoying it. It's going to be on September 15th at 6 p.m. Eastern. So I hope to see you there. Um, We'll be taking questions live and it should be a really, really good time. Also, I would love to mention that we are now taking on WIM ambassadors. Ah, this is so exciting. (laughs) I've gotten this request from so many people over the years that they're like, do you have any sort of like affiliate program? Because I want to refer people my network to you. And transparently, like that was on my wish list. Like I'd love for that to happen. They're just wasn't enough hours in the day. And I also don't want to launch something if it's not like how I imagined. Thank you for those of you who asked and we are officially live. (laughs) So to become a WIM ambassador, 
you log into your membership account, you go to the account page, and there's a section to apply. And so if you are a VIP member and you've been a member for at least a year, I would love for you guys to apply. So to do so, again, head to our website, log into your membership portal, go to the account page, and you can find the application right there. All right. So this week's episode, I am thrilled to introduce you to Miss Lori Buckle. She is the founder and CEO of Cook It Media. So Cook It is a digital talent management company with expertise in the food and lifestyle space. If you guys have heard this podcast before when we've interviewed companies that have gone like very niche, I am all about it. So I think what Lori is doing is fantastic niching down into the food space. So her whole background is in food. This is actually her second act following a career in traditional prints, one that included leadership roles at some of the most highly regarded publications in the food industry. So Cook It started in 2015, and it's grown to be the only full-service talent agency with expertise in both the business of influencers and the world of food. I'm honestly getting hungry just talking about this. I'm going to go grab a snack. Y'all sit back <laughs> and enjoy this episode with Lori. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. I feel like we've like gotten to know each other over the past like many months. I'm such a like fangirl of what you're doing with Cook It and just like, I don't know, your enthusiasm about all sorts of stuff. I feel like we've had conversations about all sorts of things in the industry and it's really cool to see all the ways that you're innovating. So first and foremost, welcome and how are you today? Good. Thank you. Very excited to be here. Super excited to have you. We have, we were like chit chatting a little bit before we started recording. So I don't know, there's all sorts of stuff we're going to get into today. And I'm really excited to get into it. I think before we do, and before we get into like the nitty gritty of like all the cool things that you're working on, I think it'd be really awesome to sort of level set and just hear a little bit more about like you and your own words and sort of just like how you ended up with this company and like doing the work that you're doing today. Absolutely. It, it is a little bit of a long story, so I'll try to keep it short. Um, but before I sort of appeared on the influencer marketing front of things, I had a career in um, magazines, in food magazines, and I worked at Bon Appetit and Better Homes and Gardens and Fine Cooking. Um, I also worked at a couple of digital products in the editorial space, one of them being The Kitchen, which is an amazing site. Um, but really, that was the bulk of my experience in the content space. And over time, and this is going back gosh, about, I think, 10 years ago now, as the influencer community, as the influencer world was really starting to you know, rise and, and we were, we were working with um, influencers in content creation when I was at fine cooking and things like that. But as I moved over and basically really began to understand sort of what was happening in content in traditional print, I, I began to think about digital because in traditional print content requires, especially in the food space, um, content requires 
huge teams of people and so much time. And I was watching, you know, sort of publishers really struggle with that and budgeting for that and realizing that over here on the influencer side of things, these content creators were able to do so much that it took us, like I said, a full team of people to do, and they could do it so well. And what was happening here was so interesting compared to what was, what was over there in traditional print, especially in terms of cooking and that kind of thing. There was just a lot of innovation over here. So I decided to jump ship to really leave traditional print and come here and figure out what my value was. This was really kind of the start of Cook It. It was, it was in the consulting space. And really, for me, understanding what it was like to help an influencer, basically, they were bloggers at the time, help them become a better business. That was really the focus of the consulting strategy, working with them to help them appreciate the the potential that they had, how to better understand their brand story, who they were, um, how to understand their audience, because bottom line, content only works if it's really serving the audience, um, how to understand even simple things like content calendars and you know consistency in content and that sort of thing. And that was really the beginning of kind of my deep dive into what this world was and where it could go and how I could help individuals do that. And over time with, you know, sort of clients coming back and saying to me, well, all, all of these things that we've been working on, they're actually, they're working. And I have brands coming to me and these brands want to talk to me about how to work together. And I don't know how to talk to them, but because I had been in, um, in the magazine space for so long, working with both edit teams and sales teams, that was a really familiar side of the business to me. And working with advertisers and helping advertisers understand sort of the value of brand story in a magazine and how that really connected with the consumer that they wanted to reach, that all sort of became a process that ultimately became a talent agency. Cook It is a, um, a talent agency, a full service talent agency in the food space. And that's kind of the short version of how I got to where I am now. The crazy thing is that this job, I think I love it most simply because we joke, um, we joke about this at the office, but every Monday it's a different job. Um, and that wasn't the case in traditional print where you were kind of on this, on this path that really didn't shift a whole lot, you know, with the exception of the seasons and holidays and things. But this is really an industry that I, I think it's still in, you know, it's early stages of growth and development and where it's going to go and how it's going to eat traditional advertising's lunch and all those things that are about to happen. So I think that's really my favorite part. So first of all, you're making me like very nostalgic for those times when I'm like getting on an airplane and like going to those little stores and getting like all the gossip magazines, all this talk about magazines. I still do that with Starburst. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Lisa, that's so funny. Yeah. Like you're best sweet and like, you know, something goes, you're like, oh, I'm just like, it's a treat. I'm going on an airplane. I'm just going to like indulge, like all this talk about magazines and like permission to still do that. <laughs> people, I mean, well, those little newsstands wouldn't exist if they didn't. The magazines wouldn't exist if they didn't. And like, it's so good. It's just like, it reminds me of such a like nice time, you know? And like, in childhood, like the different, the kid magazines and like the teenage magazines. I don't know. It's like taking me back. But I also, beyond that, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your talent because I feel like there are definitely some really great talent management 
firms out there who like so many of them I I am like living vicariously through through whim and like seeing the people do incredible things but very few of them have niched down as much as you have and I love a company that like knows their lane and they're like we're going to master this space Tell me a little bit more about some of your clients, like brag a little bit. I want to learn more about them. Oh my gosh. We work with the most amazing people. It's it's interesting because I don't consider um, sort of recipes and cooking a niche. Obviously, I know it is. I know it's a category. But when we look at sort of talent and content and all of the things that food can be, it's interesting in that it crosses over so many elements of, you know, sort of just life, if you think about it. Uh, if you think about travel and traveling to eat and traveling to explore new cuisines, um, if you think about sort of, you know, the world of cooking beyond the kitchen and what that looks like and how much, how much there is out there in terms of understanding food, which is really such a big topic right now. Everything from farmer's market to regenerative foods, sustainable foods, the topics that people are interested in, in terms of health and wellness and fitness. It's almost like when you are a food creator, you are very much a lifestyle creator at the same time. And I think that's important to know, but I also think it's true in terms of this niche and our expertise in this niche, which we are all, obviously I came from food magazines. Everybody on the team has had experience in some way or another with food and food content. Um, so we talk food. And when we're talking to brand clients on the other side, it's a very specific language that we're speaking and we're really helping them understand things you know, especially if they're a startup or kind of new to this business, we're helping them understand sort of the world of food, almost from a calendar perspective. Uh, you and I were just talking about Q4 and how really in so many ways, this is the food season. We're about to jump into all of the holidays from Thanksgiving through the Christmas holidays, through everything that, you know, cookie parties and all that stuff that's about to come up and how for brands that are kind of new to this, there's so much to know in terms of where their, you know, sort of how their partnerships can create those opportunities that really puts them right in the middle of the conversation um, in social media that's happening right then. And pretty soon we're all going to be talking about Halloween um, and all the fun cakes and, you know, things that make smoke, <laughs> all the things that people do make for Halloween and, and the big food part of that. So for the people that we work with, we are definitely always aspiring with them to this kind of larger lifestyle opportunity that they have and how their content, it is about them. Do you know what I mean? This is something that we've also been chatting about a lot. This, you know, becoming the face of your brand is more important now than ever, but it's about who you are and, the int and your interests and the way your interests expand out across the world of food and how that makes for so much variety in your content and so much innovation. And that's what we're really seeing in the people on our roster that are just killing it. And it's inspiring to be honest with you. And I'd love to like leave you at the, uh, in the notes at the end with a whole bunch of folks that people would want to follow and check out and learn from. I would love that. <laughs> I will definitely do that. We will totally do that. Um, that sounds awesome. Cause it's also like, you could talk about them, but it's also another thing to like, see what they're working on. See what they're doing. I also don't want to talk about them and leave somebody else. So I'm curious though, like, 
with like with food influencers, you're talking about like also wanting to them to we're talking earlier about like create their own cookbook or, you know, have additional opportunities that aren't so food specific. And I think that it's brilliant when people niche down, but I also think that it's important to keep a broad perspective of the number of different opportunities that are available, just like what you're describing with the cookbook and, and a number of other things. So I'd love to hear from you, like, what are additional revenue streams or like additional projects and things that talent managers should keep in mind that are options for their talent? Because it sounds like you know that really well. That is definitely something that we are focused on right now. And we are we're hearing from our talent all the time as well in terms of understanding themselves as a brand and as a brand that can do so many things. In the, in the food space, a cookbook is often a highly, you know, sort of prized product that I think it's, I think the great thing for talent is that a cookbook is a different kind of authority. Obviously you have a, you have a lot of authority on your website and in your social channels and that sort of thing, but there's nothing like your name on a cookbook and seeing yourself at Barnes and Noble and kind of feeling like, okay, the, this is, you know, I've really, I've really done it now. I've really succeeded. And the cookbook world itself, I did a, I did a lot of work in cookbooks when I was working at Bon Appetit and we were expanding the cookbook section of, of our brand effectively and working with Random House and really beginning to understand what the cookbook world was and how it worked and how it was different than magazines. And it's, it's a really interesting place. And to be honest with you, it hasn't changed all that much in recent years, but it is still a place that needs, you know, it, we need to help people basically navigate those opportunities and get them with the right agents and the right publishers and all those things. And that's a really good example of sort of how our skills in the food space, I think, are helping our talent go in the directions that they want to go. And we're also you know, we're hearing that people want to create um, merchandise or a product line. They want to start a podcast. They want to dig into live content on different platforms. They want to explore affiliate opportunities. And for us, it is this, like, um, like Jesse, like I was just saying, I really want to learn more about the back end of podcasts and, you know, sort of how that works and what the, the revenue opportunities are and how to really bring those into the conversation with our talent as well. So all of those things are really, they kind of fall in our wheelhouse now in a way that they didn't used to. It was usually just about you know, your blog and your social channels. And now it really has expanded into sort of brand revenue strategy and growth. And for us, that's just been this incredible chance to really think about how can we continue to be the stewards of their brands and their brand stories as they go through this process. So I have a question. I feel like one of the like very challenging things sometimes about being a talent manager, and for those of you who might be listening and unaware, um, that's my background as well. One of the more difficult things about talent management is like it almost feels like there's never a ceiling from the talent perspective, right? Like I want more, more growth, more this, more opportunities, more that. And like I felt, I'll speak personally, that like that is challenging because there's like it's hard to continuously find additional opportunities and additional revenue streams and all the things. So if you had a talent of yours who, hypothetically speaking, was coming to you and saying, all right, Lori, but like 
you know, we made a million dollars last year and the year before I made five. <laughs> so you got me from $5 to a million, but I want, I want 5 million this year. What would you tell them? Like, do you manage their expectations? Do you go and you're like, there's always a number of opportunities. Like, let's get at it. Like, how does that conversation sound? To be honest, I feel like you're describing my favorite person. <laughs> I mean, this is funny. This is kind of coming to me as you're saying it, but I've always, even before I started to cook it, I felt like I always looked at my job as an entrepreneur. So do your job and then do beyond your job, the things that you know are going to make that opportunity bigger and better for you. And I, perhaps they've brought that with me in terms of understanding talent and what they need in order to succeed in this really volatile climate. Do you know what I mean? It's, they, can't, they can't sort of say to themselves, all right, I have an amazing website with a lot of traffic and that's a great revenue stream. Um, I'm over here on TikTok. I'm, I'm on Pinterest. I'm exploring, you know, some other options and that sort of thing. And that's the scope of my opportunity because I feel like when you think that way, you limit yourself to basically just business as usual, the status quo. But when you think in terms of a true multi-platform strategy for yourself, which I think is the opportunity we're talking about. It's obviously a multi-revenue strategy as well, that that's, that's where true growth is. And that's where this industry is going, that these individuals aren't going to be limited to these specific channels, that they are going to expand out into the world of you know, sort of like everything we were talking about from product lines to cookbooks, to tour guides, to podcasters and how they take their brand story with them, that it's the through line, but it's giving them this chance to really to expand and to also find success in a way that is very specific to their skills too, which is an ongoing process, I think. And so do you find that for your talent in particular, because they tend to, I mean, they're pretty niche in the food space, that there tends to be a very lucrative secondary source of income, like our podcast really killer, or, you know, I guess like platform wise, like, are you telling everyone to get on TikTok? Because I've actually heard mixed things, actually. We have a weekly room on LinkedIn. They have like a LinkedIn audio room that we host every Thursday uh, selfish plug at 1 p.m. Eastern. And we cover the latest like news stories in social media and influencer marketing. And one of the stories we recently discussed was all these influencers on TikTok who like the numbers look great, but they're having difficulty converting the viewers to being followers. And therefore they're having difficulty also getting brand like partnerships because the people aren't necessarily like sticky and loyal and the things that they might have experienced on like a YouTube, for example, or even Instagram. And so my question, you know, I'm kind of going off on a tangent about TikTok, but, you know, I hear a lot of people saying like, oh my God, I tell all, I I've heard a manager say this, I require all of my talent to be on TikTok. They have to be on TikTok. But for, you know, and it's interesting. And if it works for them, it works for them. I guess I'm curious what works for, for your talent in terms of like the platforms that they're on and like what they're doing the best at, like what they're getting the most traction on. I love that question. There's so many sides to that question. I think 
one of the interesting sides is, is clients, effectively brand clients, and their transition from fear of TikTok to TikTok requests right now was pretty fast. It was really, you know, at the start of the pandemic, um, there was a lot of back and forth about taking TikTok off your phone and things like that. And it's really become the platform that so many brands are interested in because it has so much potential to have like dropping a boulder into the ocean instead of throwing some rocks in and seeing what happens and how how quickly something can go viral and and have this huge impact. The challenge is that it, you, it's very difficult to predict that that's going to happen, obviously. But there's also this sense of sort of regular pacing content, this and this and this, like you said, here's, you know, it's just kind of a straight line. And then it does the viral thing and then it goes back down and how to actually manage both talent's expectations around that and the client's expectations. Um, predictability is is definitely an issue. But to be honest with you, it's an issue with Instagram right now too, with all the all the stuff that's going on at Instagram is very hard to predict that a you know that an influencer will get the same results doing exactly the same this time as opposed to last time. But in the food space on the talent side on TikTok, one of the biggest challenges is there is no place to keep a recipe effectively. And recipes are obviously a very big part of the content creation that our people provide, that they um, excel in. And we are we're working hard with them to ensure that they're, they own their content. And it's almost this, what we're recommending is they go back to the idea of having a blog, a website where it is proprietary, despite what's happening in all the social media platforms, their content lives there and it can't, it can't disappear with the, um, with the, uh, you know, with platform, if that were to happen, that has happened before. And people who have all of their content, create all of their content within a platform that's outside their own brand, they, that, is a, that is a real risk. Um, and in terms of revenue potential, a strong optimized, SEO optimized website is still one of the most valuable things that a food creator can have. And the people who have been doing it for some time and have built out significant traffic and have amazing content that's performing for them year after year, basically, that's a really significant revenue stream. And I think to think about that, not so much in the, oh, wait, we're not blogs anymore perspective, but to think about it from what is the future of having your own site and what can you do with that and how can you monetize it is a, is a lot of what we're talking about right now. The other piece of this, and I think this is kind of coming back to how we help them prioritize their time, because we do have people um, who want all of it all at once. And it, it really is kind of helping them understand where is the real value and how does that compare to the time investment that I want to put into creating a podcast or writing a cookbook. And that's a, that's a real conversation because cookbooks are this amazing thing. It's funny, we're talking about cookbooks so much. Um, they are this incredible thing to have sort of in your, you know, sort of in your roster of successes. But at the same time, they're very time consuming. They can take one to two years. And that's a that's a pretty significant time investment when you think about this business and how quick it's changing and how much you have to do to really stay in the conversation. So oftentimes we'll work. Can I ask a quick question? Why does a cookbook take two to three years? Like, can you tell us a little bit about that process? Because like, that's a long time. 
Yeah, it it is wild. It's it's the cookbook industry, the book industry hasn't really changed that much in all this time. They still have their own pace and their own process. And it's just a time consuming process with a cookbook. It actually begins with um, people just think, oh, I can put together a quick proposal and send it to a publisher and um, it'll it'll be accepted. No problem. But it actually starts with a cookbook proposal. And um, one of the courses that, that Cook It offers is actually how to write a cookbook proposal. And it's a six month process. It really is this very detailed, very sort of organized exploration of your idea, your concept, why it's valuable, who your audience is, how that audience is aligned with your audience and social so that you're a, you know, you're a marketing machine in the process, understanding the organization of the cookbook and the value of the cookbook in the current conversation about food, um, building out recipe content that's really unique to you and the, the story you want your cookbook to tell. It's just, it's very detailed. And by the time you finish the cookbook proposal, you practically have the book, interestingly enough, but from there you go on to finding basically an agent and a publisher to really walk you through the process of getting that proposal accepted. And sometimes it's quick and easy. Sometimes it's an auction and the person, you know, is, you know, they get more than they expected and it's all good news. But to be honest with you, most proposals, one to 2% of them are accepted. Um, by a publisher. And that's a that's a risk if you think about it in terms of spending all that time on something like a proposal and then still not, you know, still having to go back to the drawing board and, and work on it some more. So that's that's just the beginning part of it. It's a it's a long road. I really admire those people that stick with it and also want to basically stay in the influencer marketing, you know, space to to keep that part of it up because full transparency publishers want to work with talent that have really loyal, you know, large followings that will, that will buy the book too. Yeah. I mean, that's super interesting. Cause like, I definitely know of some influencers, um, in the past who have, it wasn't a cookbook, but you know, sold a book and continue to, to have done multiple books since then. And I definitely can agree with you in that. Like a huge draw to a publisher is like, well, how big is your social following? How likely are they to actually buy the book? So look, if you're working with influencers, you already do have a leg up from like the normal, like Joe Schmo who like, not Joe Schmo, but you know what I mean? Like somebody who is very talented of an author, but doesn't necessarily have the following. Publishers don't provide that much marketing anymore. Do you know what I mean? That was how it used to be. They sent you on book tour and everything. And not anymore. It's up to you now. <laughs> it is, but one to 2% still, that is a very tiny amount. Is there any tips that you can give people listening if they're, you know, in the process or like they've, you know, there are a lot of members of WIM who have wanted to sell, you know, write a book. There are some members of WIM who have, many who have, and many others who are listening was like, oh, like, as traditional as it sounds, it still is like this like level of credibility. It truly is. And I am, it's the good housekeeping seal of approval, right? It's, it is that sort of, I have arrived and you can trust me and I'm really good at what I do. <laughs> it is. And so I, there are definitely people who are like, how am I, how could I be that one to 2%? Are there any tips that you can give them? Yes. Um, I think the, the best tip is, is to, there's, I'm trying to figure out a way to say this. 
there's a lot of publishers out there that are very interested in working with um, influencers, basically, for all the reasons that we were just talking about. But they often present the individual with a sort of turnkey, this is going to be easy for you, no stress, we're just going to sign here and we're going to get this thing out of here in six months. And those individuals often end up with a cookbook concept that has nothing to do with their brand, with their brand story. Um, it, it's maybe it's a single subject, you know, concept that the publisher really wants to work on, like a book on figs or something like that, or avocados. And that doesn't really have anything to do with that individual's larger, like I said, larger brand story. And I feel like if you're going to write a cookbook, write the cookbook that really supports everything you want to say about your brand and who you are and why you're important and the value of your content and not to waste your time on one of those like overnight successes, not even successes, overnight products. A hundred percent. And like, I think that it's like the one, it does. And like the longevity of all of this is so important to continuously think about because as tempting as certain things seem like, like that, and that's probably what I would assume that's like so much of the value of why your influencers work with you because working with somebody in like a talent management capacity or a coaching capacity, consultant, whatever it is, like, you know, that's sort of the marker of, you know, a, a really valuable asset to your team is somebody who is thinking long term and strategically and like how one thing relates to the other. So I think that it's really great that you think like that. And I I don't know, I would encourage also for anyone who's listening and you know, wanting to build up their personal brand. We're not even talking about your influencers at this point, but I love talking about personal personal brands, absolutely. Like let's think about adding a book to something, you know, to your repertoire because it can be a really powerful thing if you're, you know, up for some opportunity, whether maybe it's even like a job, you know, um, and you're, you have a book that you've published, like people are going to look at you different. It's all about perception. So, um, I think that it's a really valuable thing to consider at least. I'd love to hear just specifically about like, I love talking about trends a little bit, marketing trends, you know, especially since you're in the talent management space, you're seeing content from all of your creators. You get this really interesting perspective. It's not just through the lens of one influencer or one brand. You're really seeing multiple brands, multiple creators. And I'm sure there are like trends along the way. Like, for example, are you seeing a bunch, like for your talent in particular, obviously, are you seeing a lot on certain platforms? You know, you mentioned blogs earlier, which is definitely a very unique thing about the food space, but totally really valid, really powerful thing because for all the reasons you mentioned before, so like what, I don't know, what trends are you seeing these days in your world? That is such an interesting question. It, it's, you know, brands aren't necessarily trends. I'm not sure I'm saying that right. But if an influencer has a very strong, like we were just, we were just saying like a strong brand story and really understands who she is and the value of her content and how that content is really serving her audience there are trends within that content. If you think about, oh, like one example is um, 
sort of the world of moms and parenting and how that has changed so much, even in the, even in the space of time that Cook It has been around. Basically, talent in the mom space used to have a lot of time to do crafts and fun holiday decorations and things like that. And now those trends are moving more into like things like baby led weaning, which is really, really interesting. It's sort of working with your baby to help them eat real foods as opposed to, you know, foods out of a jar and how to do that and how to do that from a pretty early age and help them explore and how that kind of ensures that that baby is actually getting a whole food diet that isn't so processed and things like that are actually trends that are happening out there in the world of food as we all talk about healthier food, regenerative food, sustainable foods, all of those things um, that consumers are now expecting out of the products that they buy and wanting to have that caliber of, of food sort of in their kitchens and on their family tables. It's it's been a long time since I was feeding my kids um, macaroni and cheese out of a box. <laughs> and it's completely different now, but it's a it's a trend that's been happening for a while now. And it's really the influencers that are stepping up to the plate and answering that consumer call for better quality and that sort of thing. And I think that's happening in so many ways as food itself really shifts with the times and with the technology, to be honest with you too. Yeah. I mean, that's so interesting because I feel like, I mean, that's like the epitome of influence, isn't it? Like, it, yeah, it's not even necessarily having like an influencer role with the trends of marketing. It's like they're creating. They're creating the trends and the consumers are following them for that, you know, for that ability to to find the products that they want and to understand how to use them. It's also our obligation, I think, as a as an agency. Um, and we're spending so much time all the time in research and talking to brands. We're actually, we're coming to see you, Jesse. We're, we're going to New York um, and Philadelphia at the end of September to go to a, a, co a conference um, called Expo East, which is very much for brands in the health and wellness space that are interested in distribution. And I used to go when I was in traditional print, I used to go to see the trends to really understand, you know, all the different water flavors, all the different chips, all these kinds of things. And we still do that because that is, you know, everything right now is everything bagel flavor. <laughs> Last time we went, it'll be interesting to see what happens this year. But it's also that larger sort of perspective on how food is changing and how we can help our talent understand that and also help clients, brand clients, realize that we have the talent that can support their goals in that space as well. Wait, everything is bagel flavored? I don't, tell me more about this. This is We went to um, Expo West. It's on both sides. It's twice a year and it's on both sides of the coast. And we went to Expo West, I think it was back in February. And I, it was almost like every other product we were trying, the flavor, whether they were chips or crackers or a dip or a hot sauce, everything bagel flavor was the one that kept coming up. And it's really funny to go to those conferences and, and see what's happening. No, it's definitely fun to go to those conferences. It's like, I don't know. I, I think look, you're talking to a person who like founded a networking organization. So like, I certainly love for the opportunity to meet other people and, to me, so I recently, a few months ago, went to VidCon. Before then, I went to like a few other conventions as well. It felt really, it felt different than it did pre-COVID to go to a convention. 
I don't know, I'm like naturally a little more introverted. Um, so going to a convention, I'm like, oh, like I have to do it or I should do it. But I got to say, like post-COVID going to my first couple conventions since then, it was kind of like a breath of fresh air, like seeing people in person again. And I love learning. So it's also like really kind of interesting to like sit in the, you know, the like the auditoriums and just like listen to the lectures and things that people are the, you know, panel discussions and things. But I'm wondering if you feel the same thing when I go to a conference I'm also like riddled with anxiety because I'm always like, all right, especially if I have to travel to one because I'm like, all right, I have spent a significant amount of money to be here. And like, if you own your own business, like you do, you know, you're like, I'm, this isn't on anybody else's dime. This is on my dime. And this conference is all of two or three days max. And I need to get so much out of this. And I'm just like, ah, like, what do I do? Where do I go? And I always feel like I didn't accomplish everything that I hoped. Do you feel like that when you go to conferences? And if you do, like, what do you do about it? I love that so much. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that, Jesse. Yes, I am also that introverted person who like walks into a conference like it's a cocktail party where I don't know anybody. Um, but having done it for so many years and and having so much, oh, this sounds funny, but having so much to brag about in terms of the talent that we work with and the value of that talent really kind of shifts, shifts the model for me because it does give me a chance to realize that, you know, I get to talk to all of these really interesting clients who need my influencers so badly. And I can explain to them what this industry is and how it works and, and why they need to better understand this person and how she can basically change everything for them, um, she or he. Um, so it is, it has become sort of this, this place where I, like you said, I always feel like I leave, I don't get everything done. You're right. It is, it is a big investment and there's a team of us that go and we're always trying to get smarter and better about how we do these shows and who we talk to and what we say. We talk about that a lot too. Um, and what we get out of it and also trying to, you know, prove ROI, um, just like we do with the clients really prove our ROI on our experience there. But you're right. There is a lot of pressure, but it is also that moment where you are face to face. And I think like everybody, in the past couple of years, I have missed it so much because when you actually get that chance, even like what we're doing now is, is, you know, a version of that, but it is that sense of, I get to speak to you standing here as, you know, as a representative of your brand, telling you what I know to be your path to success. And that is, that is great. <laughs> it is great. It's so great. I, I think like when we're running out of time, which I am like sad about, but I'd love to ask you a follow-up to that where you were just getting at. I feel that you mentioned briefly, you're like, you know, we talk about internally if we're going to a conference, what, what do we say? Like, what's our pitch, you know, like to be able to maximize our time in front of some really important people. I don't know. Walk me through that process. Like, how do you decide how to best sell yourself in a really short period of time? It's interesting that, you know, sort of we have two clients. We have brand clients over here on the, you know, sort of the partnership side, the business development side, and we have talent. Um, but talent are really our 
our highest priority in so many ways because they are the source of the content and the the source of the potential that the client, the brand client has in terms of how to succeed in this industry. And depending upon sort of like where we are in the conversation, we really focus on these, you know, these different opportunities as a chance to help a client understand what influencer marketing is. Um, and I feel like that's a conversation we come back to time and again, because so many brands think they know, or maybe have had some experience, but don't really know what we do. Um, and getting the chance to talk about what we do and how what we do is at the center of talent or talent basically is at the center of what we do, how that is basically an industry that is very much like advertising, but not advertising because there is this human component in the middle and the human component gets more and more important as the industry evolves and separates it that much more from traditional advertising, which is, you know, a billboard on sunset or something like that, um, whereby we are actually able to pro provide what is almost like experiential advertising or experiential marketing, where this is happening in live time and the client can see the impact of the influencer and her promotion of the product. And I think it's just such an unusual thing that any chance to help a client get smarter about how we do what we do is a huge opportunity from my perspective. A hundred percent. I think that's like such valuable advice. And I know that people listening are like probably like taking either physical notes or mental notes like I am because um, that's really, really interesting to think about that just like you said. Yeah, it's fascinating. It is. It really truly is though. Like uh, so much of the time, both on the talent side and to be honest with you on the client side, we are teachers about what is this business and how do, how does it work and how do you succeed? How do you succeed in influencer marketing? <laughs> and it's something that we're all continuously fine tuning, you know, because it's changing so much and I don't know, the world's changing so much too. So, and it's, it's so much more of an art than a science also. So there's so many variables and it depends on, on you and the person that you're talking to and the person that you're talking about. And like, I don't know, it's, but it's the best way, I guess, if I were to say like how to figure out the, the best way for you is to just keep trying different things and experiment a little bit and put yourself out there. Um, I feel like that's probably the best way to, to try anything, to figure out anything in life, right? Isn't that the truth? Just walk up, <laughs> walk up and take control. <laughs> walk up and take control. Oh, I love it. So I have a feeling that our listeners would love to get in touch with you, to learn more about you, to learn more about Cook It, work with your talent. What is the best way for our audience to get in touch with you? Oh, I would just love to talk to anybody who has questions or ideas, anything that sort of about this business that we could have a conversation about. I am an open door, definitely. Um, you can find us at um, just basically our website, cookit-media.com, which is a great place to, um, to reach out. There's even a form there that you can fill out and we, we get back to you right away. We're, we just love those things. Um, you can also DM us. We are Cookit Media on um, Instagram. And it's, it's interesting that we're, we're getting a lot more conversation on Instagram now that we have switched our content strategy to reels. I hope that's a whole nother conversation, but we love to hear from folks on Instagram. 
my personal Instagram is Lori Buck, which is really funny, but full of um, granddaughter baby pictures. If anybody needs a, a baby picture today. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't want a picture of a baby? How old? How old are they? Oh my gosh, she just turned one and she's literally, I know I'm so biased, literally the cutest thing on the planet and just starting to walk. Um, so getting a little crazy over here some days. <laughs> <laughs> that is so thinking sweet. Yes. I think that it would be lovely to both learn about you and your company. And oh my God, when you're a business owner, they feel very intertwined. They are. <laughs> they definitely are. So we're going to definitely link all of that in the show notes below. I thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Thank you, Lori, for being such a great guest. And for everyone listening, we will see you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, we got to have you back. Check out our website for more ways to get involved, including all the information you need about joining our collective. You can check out all the information at IamWim.com. Leave us a review a rating, but the most important thing that we can ask you to do is to share this podcast. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next week.